All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this week's Load and Sports Outlier session. My name is Matt Pajak, co-founder of Load and Sports. Just a reminder, it's going to be a big week in the Load and Sports Discord to kick off 2022. Make sure you set your calendars for Tuesday and Thursday night for Vanderbilt's Enrique Bradfield and Matt McLean of the Cincinnati Reds. Quick plug on what Loden Sports is. We are the affordable human performance data provider. We use non-exclusive objective athletic evaluations for the purposes of tracking athletic development, informing athlete health, and identifying outliers. Our evaluations are non-sport, gender, skill level, or age specific. They are for anyone and everyone, just like these outlier sessions. If you're interested in learning more or getting in touch, visit our website at www.loadedsports.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports, and make sure to keep up with our blog, also available through our website. I also want to throw a shout out to our friends at Yellow Box Macaroons, the first unofficial sponsor of the Loaded Sports Outlier Sessions. If you're a fan of sweet treats, their hand-curated coconut macaroons are a must. Continuing on the tradition of Baba Jackie Weiss, Yellow Box Macaroons is the most delicious box of macaroons in the world. If you don't like coconut or macaroons, that's on you. Make your New Year's resolution macaroons. Find your next box on yellowboxmacaroons.com or on Instagram at yellowboxmacaroons. The Outlier Sessions have been created as a way to bridge the gap and create a connection between the aspiring and the achieving. All of our guests have a niche at the highest levels of baseball and are an outlier in their own right, and we want to take some time to talk about their long-term athlete development in the context of their experiences, their processes for taking care of themselves, and get to know a little bit more about their personal interests as well. With all that being said, we know there are so many other places you could be on this Sunday evening, and we want to thank you for being here with us. We hope you're able to take something you learn here and apply it in your life. The session will be broken up into two parts. For the first part, we have a series of questions for our guest, and for the second part, we'll invite you to join the conversation. And now, I'm not supposed to play favorites, but Glenn is my favorite. Fresh off shoveling eight feet of snow, a change of pace from ripping his skateboard around his hometown of Santa Cruz, I would like to introduce Glenn Allen Hill Jr. Thank you for joining us this evening. Hello, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, now, Glenn, just just kind of let's kick this off a little bit and just start by providing a little background on yourself. Um, yeah, how old you are, where you're from, what high school you went to. Um, yeah, I'm 21 years old, um, born and raised in Santa Cruz, California. Um, attended Santa Cruz High School, and uh, yeah. Nice. Before we really get going couple of things I do want to call out. Glenn will be hooking up one person in attendance with a signed bat. So make sure you fill out the link to the Google form in the outlier session chat on your left to be eligible to win. The winner will be contacted likely tomorrow. Additionally, we'll be sending out an email in the next day or so for all attendees to claim their free POAP NFT for this session. For those of you who aren't familiar, a POAP is a proof of attendance protocol or simply a digital ticket stub. If you're interested in receiving the email, please fill out the Google form that we have posted again in the outlier session chat. All right, let's do this, Glenn. Loden Sports is in the process of building an LTAD, and as such, we're going to open this up with a couple of our staple LTAD-related questions. Our LTAD will be an inclusive, holistic, and philosophical reference for developing athletes of all sports and levels of aspiration. In our eyes, everyone is an athlete, including the parents and the coaches, we all can and should find enjoyment in sports in a number of different ways for the entirety of our lives. 
We'll get it started with a topic of emotional well-being and the importance of gratefulness. There are little things we can do every day to bolster our emotional well-being. It's like a muscle, needs to be trained. Glenn, we've done this regularly for a couple years now. What are three things you are grateful for today? Uh, this has got to be one of my favorite questions ever. Um, I'm going to say I'm grateful for bacon. Everybody loves bacon. I am grateful for a parking lot with a lot of open spaces. And I am grateful for the beach. The beach is beautiful. Oh, you got to love it. Um, I'm going to go with when you're able to clean up as you cook. Um, so there isn't just a whole bunch of stuff to clean up when you're done. Uh, two, that the days are getting longer as of last week. We've reached the shortest day of the year, and now we're starting to get longer. Um, and that you were able to escape being snowed in uh, up in Arnold, California. Yes, it does snow in California, and you do learn things on the show. So um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just trying to be informational here for the people during the gratefulness segment. It does um, snow in California, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you dug it out, and then you get it snow back in, huh? Yeah, that, uh, long story short, um, we, uh, we would shovel the snow out, like, and then it would snow more, and then the plow would come, and it would cover our car, and then we'd have to just keep doing it and doing it. And then finally it got, uh, warm enough for enough snow to melt to where the plow didn't have to come and we could shovel out, shovel it out and finally get out of there. Yeah. Um, just for the, the people listening reference wise, uh, California, huge state, um, where in California, if people were looking at a map, <laughs> like take us to a big city and then in a direction just so that people have an idea of where it snows in California. Um, I would say, I would say go to Sacramento and head east. East for like what, maybe two hours, hour and a half? Yeah, probably at least hour and a half. There we go. We, uh, we checked the geography box on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's transition. Uh, my favorite element of our LTAD concept that shouldn't be entirely foreign to you as it's something we've discussed in the past ignition uh, in our LTAD ignition is a key pillar to athlete development it is what lights the fire for the developing athlete to want to participate in sports Glenn in the past we've talked about it specific moments uh, specifically remembering Troy Tulowitzki walking up to the man by aloe black who or what in your life helped drive the interest in the sport of baseball for you when you were younger talk about the people or maybe the moments We'll start out with the people. I mean, obviously, my dad, um, you know, finding out he was a, a big leaguer and a pretty good one and then getting to see old film of him and seeing him in his uniform and all that kind of stuff really uh, sparked interest in the game initially for me because, you know, being a little kid, I always wanted to be like my dad. And then... Um, more specifically, some moments that uh, Troy Tulowitzki won. I mean, I remember because uh, my dad was coaching in the big leagues for the Rockies at the time um, when Tulo was like, you know, the man. Um, so I would 
tune in, watch every game, start to finish. And it's like watching him walk up to that song and then, you know, hit four bullets a game. I was like, that is so cool. And it looks so fun. And I want to do that so bad and, you know, be like him. Um, so that moment for sure. It, uh, and other moments like it, you know, just seeing the great ones do it and putting yourself in, uh, in their position and thinking about how much fun it is, uh, is really what, uh, kind of drives me. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that, uh, Troy Tulowitzki was a NorCal kid, right? Yeah. NorCal kid. Yeah. So makes it even better. Makes it even better. Um, do you think it could have been any other sport or was it always going to be baseball for you? Um, I honestly always loved basketball growing up. I loved playing basketball. Um, but unfortunately I didn't get blessed with the height gene. So, um, baseball was, a was definitely the right move for me. Yeah. You're going to have to be a, a new age Isaiah Thomas or, uh, who is the guy out of Baltimore that I don't think he made it to the league? Uh, the crime stopper, Akil Carr. <laughs> I mean, the other one I can think of is Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, you could have been Muggsy. Yeah, but that's a. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that would be a champion in the house. So that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure he had his influence on you. Um, you know, above you just being a big fan of the game, uh, I'm sure he wanted to see you on a, on a baseball field. So. Um, for the people who are un- unaware, uh, Glenn Allen Hill Sr., uh, he played in the big leagues for how many years, Glenn? Uh, 13, 12, 13. 12, 13 years, won a World Series with the Yankees. Uh, if you Google it, there is a video of him hitting a home run at Wrigley Field that probably still hasn't landed. Um, and people love watching that video, so look it up. Um. You know, you touched on it a little bit before, but what was it like outside of, you know, obviously the ignition aspect growing up with a World Series champion in the house? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It was, I had a, you know, pretty normal childhood, but like uh, seeing all the, the memorabilia and then once I figured out how to use YouTube, you know, seeing the the highlights and all that kind of stuff. It just, um, it really just sparked an interest and I would just be asking them questions all the time, you know, like, what was it like? What was this like? This and that. Um, so I was just so interested, um, in that and in baseball. And as I got older and got more involved in the game, um, he was always, you know, and he still is, my go-to guy because he's just got so much experience and knowledge of the game so it's always a uh, always fun to have someone like that to you know talk to and talk to about the game whenever you want so you're saying you did a pretty good job of separating being a big leaguer and being a dad <laughs> <laughs> um yeah he he did a amazing job of it it was um people always assume like uh you know, he was pushing me to, you know, go to the cages, you know, practice and do all that kind of stuff. But um, he never once uh, asked me to, to be honest. It uh, 
it always came from me. He's, he told me, um, he, he was like, no, I'm never gonna, you know, push the game on you just cause, just cause I played it. Um, which I think, uh, says a lot about him and I think it definitely was the right move cause it just kind of spurred my interest even more. I was like, really? Well, I want to, you know, play baseball with you. Like you're the best of the best. So, you know, take me out and let's go. Yeah, there you go. So after his playing career was over, he went into coaching in minor league baseball. Um, and I remember that while I was at USA, I tried to get you to a PDP event. We just talked about it before out at the Coliseum. And before I ever met you, I had a conversation with your dad about the event. Uh, you ultimately weren't able to attend, and it was because you were going to spend some time with your dad for a few weeks during the minor league season. Talk about some of the exposures you had growing up around the game and kind of some of the different experiences that you had you know, when you were younger being around, you know, whether it be a big league clubhouse or a minor league clubhouse. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was definitely very fortunate to, uh, you know, be in the same room as, uh, as some legends, uh, Bud Helton, Matt Holiday, Dexter Fowler when I was really young. And then when I got a little older, um, got to spend a lot of time with Tulo, um, Jose Reyes for a little bit in AAA. Um, and, you know, just being around guys like that you just kind of watch how they go about it and you learn how to do things the right way at a young age and it kind of has stuck with me um to this day and then obviously me not going to that event um deciding to hang out with my dad instead i just i was like you know this is a honestly like a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity and you know i want to soak in this much of this as I can while I can. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it to be honest, because I wouldn't, uh, be who I am today. I don't think without, without those experiences. For sure. And, you know, kind of going off of that anecdote, this has always been a reality for you with your dad's involvement in the game, your entire life, whether he was playing or coaching. Um, and now you get to experience it now that you're in pro ball, talk a little bit about how much of a commitment high level baseball is. And, you know, obviously I know you didn't play uh, college baseball, but you know, that's just as much of a commitment now as playing pro ball. So kind of talk about that and cherishing the time you get to spend with your family. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's a full-time job. And then some, um, during, uh, during the course of the season, you spend, you know, way more time in the, in the locker room on the field with your, your teammates and coaches than you do with your, your own family. Um, and you know, outside looking in, it's, a uh, it's a lot different once you get in there and you actually go through it. And, um, it, uh, it makes you very grateful and thankful for, you know, honestly, whether it be five minutes after a game, seeing your, seeing your folks or, you know, they come for a few days. It's like, um, the best thing in the world. Um, so yeah, it's, a, uh, it's a lot more than you think when you're first getting into it. And then once you're in it, you're like, man, this is a lot more than I expected, but it is what it is. So you kind of just roll with it and be grateful for the moments that you do get, um, 
with your with your loved ones. Yeah, and I, I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize, um, not just from the player or the staff standpoint, but from anybody who wants to work in the sport, you know, all the way down to the people who work concessions at the home games to, you know, the scouts and, um, you know, the people that work in player development. Like, they miss birthdays and they miss weddings and they miss all of these different things. And honestly, for younger people that are out there working in the game, um, you know, there's a lot of time where, you know, they only have a month off and it's in December around Christmas and they see their family and their friends one time a year. And, um, you know, so there's definitely a trade-off there that, you know, again, people from the outside don't really think about, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, all sunshine and roses. (laughs) Yeah, definitely in baseball, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna fail more times than you succeed, which, uh, you know, makes it, uh, that much uh more difficult for sure let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your high school experience um and then all the different events that led up to the 2019 mlb draft you played baseball and basketball at santa cruz talked about that a little bit before uh your love for basketball you're a true warriors fan big fan of steph curry what role did and does basketball continue to play in your life um now you know basketball for me it's uh i don't know it's uh almost like a bit of an escape i guess and uh you know i love keeping up with the warriors i you know i know every in and out about the team now i watch every game um and growing up i always loved playing and uh it just kept me athletic when i would um every time i play you got to Got to be an athlete, which is a really good thing for baseball. Um, I always said, you know, playing basketball is only going to help my baseball. It's going to, you know, get my legs strong, get me in good shape, um, which was a bonus. But, yeah, I always loved playing basketball, the, the up and down pace. Everything about it was just so much fun to me, and I wish I could uh, keep playing now. Yeah, I think you touched on a couple of things there. Uh, first being, you know, using basketball as a bit of an escape. One of our previous guests a couple of weeks back, Noah Campbell, was talking about using the guitar as kind of a bit of an escape and talking about how important that was to him, that he kind of had that, you know, release or that other activity that he could go to. You know, not that, you know, he doesn't love the game of baseball, not that you don't love the game of baseball, but just to strike some balance and, and to find – you know, maybe diversify the, the portfolio a little bit when it comes to your interests. Um, because, you know, sometimes it is nice to get away. Uh, but the second thing that I kind of want to talk about there is, you know, you talk about, um, you know, playing basketball as a way to, you know, train your athleticism and how that's going to translate on a baseball field. You know, isn't it just so much better to be able to go out and play a game that you love to play as opposed to, doing all of that work in a weight room or running stadium steps or whatever that may be to get the same benefits. It's just, I don't know. That's always something for me where growing up, you know, anytime you get to play a sport, it's kind of like a diversion from the work that you're doing. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple things you said, uh, you know, getting to play more than one sport, which I encourage, 
everybody to do. You don't ever want to be a uh, one dimensional. Um, I think you should find, pick up as many hobbies as possible, you know, find things you like doing, try new things. Um, all that stuff is great. You don't want to ever, you know, be just about, I guess in my case, baseball, which is another reason why I love playing basketball so much. It was just, um, another thing for me to do. Now you play basketball all the way up until your junior year, correct? So you played your junior year and then you just decided your senior year that you weren't going to play more so out of anticipating the draft coming and making sure that your health was in order for that, uh, senior season, correct? Correct. Yeah. I, um, the only downside about playing basketball in high school was you get out pretty late for, uh, for the baseball season. Um, so I thought it'd be in my best interest to, you know, be there for the whole, uh, duration of my senior season for, for baseball. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, uh, Chase Watkins. He was a NorCal kid. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. He went to Cal Poly then he bounced to a Juco in Florida and then he went back to Oregon state and then he just got drafted by the Cubs. But I'm pretty sure he decided to play. He was a good basketball player too. He played his senior year and I remember he got out super late um, and talking to a couple scouts that year, just kind of checking in on him. Cause you know, I always liked the kid and um, really liked what he could do on the mound. They were all just like, yeah, he got out late and, um, he's kind of behind the eight ball and I think that kind of set him back a little bit in anticipation for the draft. But, um, you know, kind of to your point, you know, you were able to play all the way up through your junior year, uh, which obviously is awesome. And then, you know, once you locked in on the draft, you know, not to say that he, you know, maybe he didn't have interest in going out of high school, you know, everyone's situations, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, kind of going back to basketball real quick, kind of a fun one, you know, you obviously get to watch Steph Curry every night on your local television. Where does he rank for you amongst the all-time greats? <laughs> oh, I, I, he's top five, no doubt. I mean, if you don't have him in the top five, I, I'll sit here and argue argue with you all night about it. I mean, he's top five all-time, no doubt. Best shooter ever, probably, you know, one of the best scorers ever. If he's, if he's not in your top five, I, I think you're a little crazy. Yeah, I'm not going to squeeze anything controversial out of you, but <laughs> you, you put him in front of LeBron? I mean, I don't know if I put him in front of LeBron, but I'm just saying, greatest shooter of all time. He's got two MVPs, three championships. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to. He's pretty darn good, especially for. That's hard to argue with. You know, for someone who wasn't blessed with all of the athletic gifts. Uh, the raw athletic gifts, you know, for a guy who can barely dunk a basketball, um, for him to be as dominant as he is in the NBA, he's the he's the true definition of an outlier. Yes, he is, and uh, if you don't agree with me, check the numbers. Yeah, and if you don't watch basketball, uh, you should flip on a Warriors game and watch Steph Curry and appreciate him while he's still in his prime. Because yes, you should. You know, just like it wasn't too long ago, we were watching Kobe. And then Kobe kind of faded out, faded out of his prime, and he wasn't the same guy anymore. And then you know, obviously, uh, he had that that last flash for his last game where he put up sixty points. Um, but you know, it's it goes so fast. So you know, to appreciate 
something that you'll never see again. Steph Curry. Anyway, uh, let, let's jump back into to baseball. <laughs> Got off on a, on a tangent there. Um, the first time we met was in Kansas City, of all places, during an MLB Breakthrough Series event in 2018. And uh, I remember sitting at the chair at the table at the Sprint Station, and uh, I called your name to run the 30, and I'll never forget the sass you hit me with. Uh, because I called Glenn Allen Hill Jr. like it was in the computer, and you were just like, it's GJ. <laughs> uh, everyone would take note if you ever encounter him. It's GJ. Um, I only get to call him Glenn after all these years. But how was the Breakthrough Series experience, and what did you learn from all that? Um, the Breakthrough Series was quite the the whirlwind for me. Um because that was uh that was my first time you know ever kind of going to an event like that and it was also my first breakthrough series ever um because like i didn't really start playing travel ball until i was probably 16 i kind of got on the scene late so i was very on the outside looking in when it came to you know events and things like that and the breakthrough series was a big one for me so i was very nervous going into it and then getting there um and see you know seeing all these people that uh look like me and also played baseball was uh was a pretty cool thing and um i learned a lot from that event uh, met a lot of cool people um yeah it was a uh, it was a really good experience. Um, one that I'm thankful for, for sure. Was that your first time in Kansas City? It was, yes. Was that your last time in Kansas City? <laughs> uh, we'll see. No, you know, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't saying, you know, in the future, but I'm saying, like, up to this point in your life, you haven't been back? I haven't been back to Kansas City since then, no. I, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I liked it out there, but... I haven't been back yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different out there, but uh, there's, you know, any any city that's good enough for Pat Mahomes. Um, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, the second time we met, a couple weeks later, in Cary, was for the Tournament of Stars. That's kind of the peak opportunity for a high school baseball player. Um, you were on a team with C.J. Abrams, Jaron Ely, and another NorCal native, and a good friend of yours, Kyron Paris. We talked about him earlier. What was that like? And have you kept up with anyone else from that team? Um, so, yeah, again, going into the Tournament of Stars, I had no idea that it was such a big deal. Um, so I kind of got there and I was like, whoa, like, this is crazy. There's, you know, there's people everywhere all coming to watch us play. Like, I had no idea how big of a, of a deal that was. And then, um, in terms of keeping up with any dudes from that team, um, obviously, Kyron, he's still uh, one of my best friends to this day. And then um, Coleman Brigman, another one of my boys, he's at uh, Santa Clara right now. He, uh, he was also on that team. Um, and then uh, he wasn't on my team, but he's uh, we're together with the D-backs now, um, Avery Short. Um, but other than that, I, uh, 
I, I don't think so. Oh, oh, how could I forget? Uh, my dog, uh, Gunnar Henderson. We were, uh, we were roommates out there and, uh, he's, he's still one of my boys. He's a great dude. Yeah. You can't be forgetting about Gunnar. Uh, yeah. Start. Sorry, Gunnar. I, I didn't forget about you. <laughs> He's had a bit of a meteoric rise. He had a, a really good year this year with the Orioles. And for uh, the people listening that aren't in tune, Kyron Paris is a uh, – he's in the Angels system, shortstop, third base type player. Uh, what was he, a second rounder? Yeah, second round. Yep, second round, same draft as Glenn. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. June 2019, you hear your name called fourth round of the MLB draft. Obviously it's quite the accomplishment for a high school player. Let's talk a little bit about the process. And I think this is a conversation we've had in the past. Super interesting to me because it's not something I ever thought about. Um, Mm -hmm. For anyone who's listening and there's, you know, every year there's a new crop of players that come through the showcase circuit and then, you know, get looked at their senior springs. We've talked about the difference between playing in front of a crowd of full of scouts in the summer and then doing it in the spring. So um, what's going through your head when you know that they're only there to see you versus when you know they're there to see everyone? Um, at first, it's pretty crazy. It's, uh, it's a lot of pressure, to be honest, when you really realize kind of what's going on. Um, you know, you're just – you go from, like – the old like junior year hitting you know in the cage before the game you're just you know out there kind of messing around with your teammates and then fast forward to senior year you're doing the same thing but there's about 50 scouts surrounding the cage and they're all just wanting to watch you um it's a it's a big shift and it's uh it's definitely a lot to take in at first um, huge adjustment. I, uh, I remember being pretty bad my first, you know, two, three games of, uh, of that year, just cause of all the pressure I felt, but I was able to, uh, get out of my own way and enjoy playing baseball my, uh, my senior year. Yeah. That was fascinating to me when you brought that up in a conversation that we had, I think it was a couple of years ago now. Um, cause I just had, I had never thought about that. I'd been around so many, you know, high level high school players, you know, through USA baseball and, you know, that perspective was never shared with me. And I think it's, it's really interesting cause you know, we've talked about it in past outlier sessions, you know, notably with Brendan Donovan, where he talks about how mental the game is. And you talked about it right there, you know, first two or three games, you weren't very good cause you were pressing so hard. Um, I think that's, that's something it's hard to block it out, but yeah, obviously it doesn't get any easier as you climb the ladder and get closer to the TV league. So um, Arizona takes you in the draft. Uh, talk a little bit about like maybe who else was on you. Um, did you think you had a chance to go higher or lower? You know, kind of talk about that a little bit. Um. Yeah. So I actually had no idea. Um, Arizona was on me like that. I was in basically zero communication with them. Um, leading up to the draft, I uh, thought there was a pretty good chance the Giants uh, were going to take me, probably 
you know, rounds two or three. Um, same thing with the Brewers. Same thing with the Twins, actually. Uh, so, yeah, and then uh, Arizona just totally came out of left field and uh, and took me, which was, uh, you know, pretty crazy, obviously, because I literally did not talk to them at all. I mean, I was pretty cool with the area scout um, during my senior year, uh, Orsino Hill. Son's, his son, Derek, is a... Uh, balling in the big leagues with the with the tigers now um but yeah arizona totally came out of left field which was a huge shock but um really thankful they did so i'm coming out of left field on you like that well third time's a charm on the baseball pun um <laughs> was that like a little like unnerving knowing that other teams had put in a lot more work on you and, you know, here's just a club that just decides kind of out of the blue that they're going to pick you and there wasn't really a whole lot of buildup. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of just goes to show you that, you know, all it takes, it literally only takes one, you know, could be one person that really likes you that, you know, pushes for you or whatever. So, um, just knowing that, uh, there's, there is so much more interest out there in me than I uh, originally thought was a, uh, it was pretty cool to be honest. Um, at any point in the draft process, did you think you'd end up honoring your commitment to Arizona state? Um, yeah. I mean, after, uh, after, after night one, it turned into a real possibility for me. Um, to be honest, I uh, I was really hoping to um, be drafted and get to go play, um, but you know you gotta weigh out all your options and you know look at things how they are. So I was um, definitely uh, you know considering that pretty heavy after uh, the first night. So let's transition a little bit to pro ball. You made your pro debut in 2019 in the Complex League, and then you didn't put on a Diamondbacks affiliated uniform again until spring 2021. That's a long time, especially for a high school draft. The coronavirus hits in spring 2020, throws a wrench in the minor league baseball machine. No baseball all summer. You ended up in Chicago playing independent ball for the deep dishes. Reflect a little bit on the circumstances surrounding coronavirus and how that affected minor league baseball players kind of as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, as a whole, our season just got banged out of nowhere. And then, uh, you know, for a lot of minor leaguers, then they didn't get an opportunity to, uh, to play at all, which uh, really sucks because, you know, you put in all the work and you're, you're so excited to, uh, you know, finally get out and start the season. And then it gets taken away from you in the, in the blink of an eye. Um, and then you fast forward to, uh, going out to Chicago and playing for the deep dish, um, which was a really fun experience. Um, some of the funnest baseball I, um, ever played, you know, it, it puts it into perspective how uh, lucky we are to be able to play, um, you know, after getting taken away from us and then just 
you know, getting that opportunity with the deep dish and getting to go do that was a very, very, very fun experience. Yeah, it's a completely different brand of baseball. And for the people listening, uh, the deep dishes are part of an independent baseball league, or at least I'm not even sure if the league was thrown together because of the coronavirus circumstances or if it's still, you know, still a league up there, or if the dip, deep dishes are still playing or what, whatever it may be. I only followed them for a year while Glenn was up there. Um, but just entirely different and, you know, to kind of give some color around the situation when the minor league season got shut down, a lot of players were kind of granted permission to seek opportunities outside of their affiliation so that they could continue to play. Cause, and, and Glenn, I do want you to touch on it a little bit more kind of what you experienced when you got back in a diamondbacks affiliated uniform in terms of what you saw from a bunch of the other guys who may have done entirely different things during their year away. Um, and just kind of the difference between, you know, maybe the players that went to the alt site guys who played in an independent league and then guys who didn't find a league to play in. Um, yeah, maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, the main thing I noticed was, you know, once we all got back to, uh, Arizona and we were starting up spring training, um, every single guy in there, you know, was, uh, was hungry. They all kind of had a chip on their shoulder and they were, you know, itching to, uh, to get out and play, which was, uh, the main thing I noticed, whether they came from the alt side or not playing at all or playing in some indie league, everyone, um, I feel like everyone kind of came in with a new appreciation knowing that they get this opportunity to play, um, you know, affiliated baseball and, um, they're able to, you know, come back and do that. So did you see I'd say the main thing, like maybe some guys came in in the best shape of their life. Some guys came in, um, and they looked like they needed to hit the weight room. You know, maybe other guys came in and they had a lot more rust than other guys to knock off when they actually got in the batter's box or on the mound. Uh, do you see anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but you know, there's, you see guys that, you know, you can just tell like they really didn't do anything, you know, during the time off. It's like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like you look terrible and, um, like, come on, man. So yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, there was some of that for sure. And then you see guys that kind of did a complete 180, um, from what you had previously seen. Well, so, you know, anybody you... out by name, but you know, I think that that's something again, that, that people don't, you know, you're going to see that, but most people aren't going to see that because they're, not, yeah. they're not in the locker room, uh, in the clubhouse, you know, taking BP, you know, as all of this is kind of getting back together this year. Um, but it's definitely something that, you know, from my seat, someone who, closely monitors minor league box scores, which are probably in the severe minority, you know, there were, <laughs> there were stark differences early on, at least between guys who were at the alt site last year and, and had that opportunity and guys that didn't. Um, and I think that, you know, it's kind of worth, you know, making that note that development for a year was in the hands of the player 
as as opposed to what it is every other year, which is it's under the structure of the club. So, um, you know, everyone kind of had their own opportunity to, you know, either get ahead or fall behind or whatever it may be. And I think, you know, you saw that firsthand. So um, we'll kind of jump off that a little bit. One last question regarding your, your deep dish experience. Did you get free deep dish pizza, you know, being part of the deep dishes or – uh, um, no, <laughs> no, uh, did you have any? No, <laughs> I did have some deep dish pizza out there, but it was, uh, it was not free and it was unfortunately not sponsored by, uh, by the actual deep dishes. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. It is, it is. Um, but nice to the Chicago lose, <laughs> yeah, but it's all good. They, uh, they treated us very, very well out there. They're uh, top class for sure. All right. So 2021, this past year, uh, well, now it's last year, uh, rolls around. You get a full season at Low A Visalia out in California. Actually not too, too far from where you grew up comparatively to you know what a lot of guys experience in minor league baseball but what was the transition like getting back into the swing of professional baseball we just talked about it a little bit kind of some guys were rustier than others um but especially with this past year being your first full year of affiliated baseball um it's a it's a it's a big jump for sure um you don't understand how much of a grind it is until until you're in it to be honest um like we were talking about earlier, the, uh, the time commitment and stuff like that, you're, uh, you're pretty much grinding nonstop for, you know, five and a half, six months. And, uh, it, uh, it takes a lot to get through. You gotta, you know, lean on people that, uh, that got your back. And, um, in terms of the, in terms of the baseball, it's, uh, it's obviously so fun to be playing every day, but the the competition is fierce and uh, you got to, you know, it's sink or swim, really. So you uh, kind of just get thrown in there and it's like, here you go, figure it out. So we're going to, we'll flash a, a spotlight on you know, something that, you know, I guess you've been gifted, whether it be a combination of genetics and development. You stole 31 bags on 34 attempts this year. I saw it, you know, for the first time in Kansas City. You can really run. I saw it again. You run in in my shoes a couple weeks later and carry because uh, we wear the same shoe size. So that was convenient. Talk about the importance of being an athlete on a baseball field and kind of what that allows for you. Because like you said, it's sink or swim. Uh, sometimes you're going to go through rough patches. But talk about, you know, the different ways of being an athlete. It gives you kind of something to lean on when you might be struggling at the plate? Um, yeah, I mean, people say it all the time, you know, speed never slumps. And uh, being an athlete on the field, um, whether it be, you know, running down a ball in the gap, stealing a, stealing a few bags, drawing a walk to get on so you can steal bags, you know, things like that. I think being an athlete is... Uh, and you know increasing and trending your athleticism is one of the the best things you can do for yourself as a uh, 
young player because it just gives you um, so many more opportunities and ways to uh, impact the game uh, in more ways than, than one. For sure. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put you on the spotlight here, you know, looking at your overall stat line for 2021, it's probably not what you expected and you're not the first person to come across, you know, a not particularly exciting stat line after a season. Um, how are you resetting and what is your approach for this coming year? You know, what, what are you going to take from this past year? Um, because it, again, it was your first year in pro ball and, you know, you can't look at one, you know, not great season and say like, Oh, this is, you know, this is what he is. It's, you know, what, what are you doing right now to position yourself for spring training and for the 2022 season? Um, right now I'm working on my, working on my mental, um, heavily. Um, you know, when you, when you're struggling and you get down, it's easy to, uh, you know, dig yourself in a pretty deep hole that can be tough to climb out of sometimes. So, you know, I'm working on my, working on my mental, you know, staying present not taking things, you know, too seriously, um, focusing on enjoyment. And then in terms of the, in terms of the baseball side, I'm just, you know, working on my hand-eye coordination. Uh, you know, I had a lot of strikeouts this year and I missed, um, a lot of pitches that I should be hitting. So I'm trying to figure out a way to, uh, get my bat on the ball as much as possible so I can, like we were talking about, be that athlete and hopefully impact the game with my with my speed. Yeah, and I, I think from where I sit, I'll just say this, like this past year is a large amount of your professional career, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a very small sample size of what your career will be. So um, while it looks big right now, you kind of have to try and flush that. And yeah, obviously – you've got a lot of things going for you and you've got a, a really big opportunity here in 2022. Um, and we look forward to seeing you get out there and, you know, everything ticking back up. So um, before we transition into part two, I do want to talk about something that I think you're really good at, which is being your authentic self. And there are a lot of people who change the air quotes change when they come upon varying levels of success. I haven't seen much change in you at all uh, for for good. You're the same SpongeBob-loving, bright and spirited Glenn that I met back in 2018, and we love you for it. Uh, and this doesn't just apply to baseball. How important is it to have the confidence to embrace who you are as a person? Um, I think it's very, very important. Um, one of the things that uh, helps me is you... Uh, kind of just got to put things into perspective. You, uh, you know, I, I tell myself all the time, no one makes it out of this life alive. So, uh, you know, you might as well live it up while you're here and, you know, embrace who you are and get as much enjoyment as you can out of each and every moment. And if you focus on that, I think your, your true self and who you are will just shine through on its own. Yeah, and I think there's, we all have this, we all have, there's two different 
there's two different mats there's two different glens um one is you know how we view ourselves and the other one's how other people view us and i think that for me i I don't want to say like a key to happiness but you know a way to be more content is to try and make sure that the gap between who people perceive you to be and who you see yourself as is as small as possible and you know just from again you know being your friend that's always something that i've admired about you is just how small that gap is between you know who you are as a person and who people perceive you to be um and i i do i do want to talk about this a little bit because you know obviously you've you've been around pro ball for a while even though you've uh you've only been in pro ball as a player for two seasons three seasons if you include the independent season um what have you observed in your time around the game in terms of people being true or maybe not so much to themselves, you know, maybe trying to position themselves as something that they aren't. I feel like that's something that's prevalent, you know, not just in baseball, but maybe especially in baseball in um, a very competitive environment. Um, well, first to, uh, to touch on what you were saying earlier and kind of, bridging that gap i think um as long as you know who you are as a person and you know who you want to be i don't really think it matters you know how the world sees you all that matters is you know how you see yourself the world and people are gonna think what they want and more times than not it's not really gonna match up with what uh you want them to think um, so to be honest, I don't really think it matters, you know, how for me personally, it doesn't really matter how, you know, the world sees me. I know, I know who I am in my, in my heart of hearts. So that's kind of, um, you know, what I try to focus on, but, uh, getting back to your other point, you know, it's, it's very easy being in pro ball to be like, oh, you know, he's doing it this way and he's having some success so i want to try and be like him or you know you see guys that you know try and do things a certain way to come off a certain way and you can you can just tell you know it's not it's not genuine it's 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 almost it's almost like an act at times um and uh it's uh pretty easy to spot out for sure yeah i was having a conversation with a friend this past week uh, about a player that he played with another guy who's in pro ball and you know obviously not naming any names or organizations or anything like that but i asked him about this guy and and he was pretty much just like yeah no one likes him and i was like oh and he was like yeah i don't have anything against him but you know i'd rather not associate with him because no one else likes him and i was like well i guess that's fair um but i think <laughs> there's people out there that you know, and, and again, you've probably experienced it. And I know that you're, you know, kind of being careful what you say, but you know, there's definitely guys that you've encountered who, you know, maybe not everyone's a big fan of. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that comes down to them being true to themselves or them, you know, putting on a front and you know, obviously that can be mentally taxing if, you know, you're putting on a show, this is someone that you're not. And I don't know. I don't know, it's really interesting. It's it's a mind game that 
you know, people play with themselves and people play with other people every day, not just in baseball, but in the world. And again, you know, just appreciate, let's, let's go with number four, uh, gratefulness, how authentic you are to yourself and, um, you know, just kind of the person that you are. So I do want to open it up for some of the listeners we have in here to ask questions whether that be kids, parents, coaches, whoever's in here. A couple quick things before we do turn it over to the crowd. I know you read, and I know you're a deep thinker, because every once in a while you'll send me something either that you've written or that you've read. Have you come across anything recently that you want to share with the people? Um, I would say if you haven't read The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, to buy a copy, read it, and read it again and again and again i think um that is uh that's a book i'll you know continue to go back to um probably for for the rest of my life so if you haven't uh read that one i highly recommend uh you do so you got any nuggets that you want to pull out of there for us you want to just like you know tease us a little bit try and draw us in <laughs> Anything that really stands out to you? I mean, you you get you get what you give out. So if you you know if you're giving out, you know, love and kindness, um, more times than not, the uh, the universe is gonna flip that around and uh, send it back your way. So. Um, I think karma is a very real thing and, uh, you know, you get what you give for sure. Nice. Uh, last thing, any advice for a young aspiring baseball player who might be listening to this? Um, yeah, this is, uh, probably going to be a, an unpopular opinion. Um, but, uh, I would say for any, young baseball player athlete out there i would say um you know do as much fun things as you can don't worry about uh don't worry so much about like you know focusing on sports uh you know working hard that kind of thing i would say go be a kid and experience as much as you can um and at the end of the day i think doing that is just going to make you a better person overall. And it will ultimately um, make you a better athlete and whatever you're doing as well. So I would say be a kid, enjoy being a kid, enjoy your youth and um, don't put too much pressure on yourself because at the end of the day, it's not that serious. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of really important things there. And to kind of sum it up, you know, there it burnout is a very real thing. Um, burnout comes from playing too much, high expectations. So it can either be mental or physical burnout. It's something that's, you know, not talked about because, you know, there's much bigger things for people to talk about. But there's a lot of kids that are quitting sports and they're quitting sports you know, before they even get to high school and it's because they're burnt out because, you know, again, either they've played too much or there's, there's too much pressure. Um, yeah, no doubt. 
And I think that goes, um, goes back to what we talked about before with ignition is, you know, just let it all be natural. Like there are kids that will play in, they'll play a ton of whatever their sport is, 14, 15, 16 years old. And it's almost like the parents responsibility at that point to like make sure that they don't physically burn out or don't get an overuse injury because you can't keep them off the field, but that's a much better situation than they don't want to be on the field and you got to force them to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that another thing is there's, you know, there's not one right way to do it. Every single person is, uh, on their own path, on their own journey. So it's not like, you have to do the things this way to get here. It's all going to, you know, vary on so many different things. So, uh, again, it's not like you got to play, 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 play all the time. You're going to, at the end of the day, you're going to end up where you're, where you're supposed to be. Well, awesome. Glenn, we covered a lot in an hour. Uh, keep being you. The world needs more Glens. Can't thank you enough for taking the time.